There's a lot going on with the Golden State Warriors. That's uh, kind of unusual this time of year, but the Warriors do have an open roster space, and they're going to try out six veterans. I got Greg Silver of Screaming from the Sidelines, from KNBR, from a whole bunch of stuff joining me next. We're going to talk about those free agents who we like the most. Um, also might play some sound from Clay Thompson's appearance uh, earlier on Paul George's podcast. He said some interesting things. And the Santa Cruz Warriors have a new head coach. And we're going to talk about all that next. This is Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts and for every live show on YouTube, not to mention our regular shows as well. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow Greg Silver on Twitter at Greg O-H Silver. Greg O-Silver. And then uh, if you find him on threads or Instagram, you just take out the H. So it's still Greg Oh, silver, but you don't have the O, the, the H in there. I'm sorry. Uh, you can follow me, Cyrus Sotsis, on threads at Dog Wild. Great to see you. Uh, G Money, been a little while. Look at the chat, man. We got it blowing up here. Um, good stuff. How are you, man? How, how's the offseason treating you? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me back. I mean, I've listened to a lot of episodes since my last appearance, but it's pretty fun to get to talk, and I'm loving these new graphics. You know, the offseason. Growing up, when I was a little bit more immature, I would have no patience <laughs> for it. I'd get bored. But now I'm kind of liking off-season content. Like, not more than the regular season, but just so that I go through and I see you interacting with fans or I'm seeing videos of your dog on the beach, that's good stuff, too. Like, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, you're referring to my Instagram post. I, I have my newest post on there. You can follow me on Instagram and threads, both at Dog Wild, super easy, D-O-G-W-I-L-D. And the newest one I posted, I, I did not script that. I literally have like a Hollywood production style video. It's got a beach. It's got a, like a supermodel looking individual. My dog, who's an English bulldog. It, it's got the whole package. And I, I did not script that at all. It just kind of came out that way. But yeah, I, I'm guessing that's what you're referencing. It is pretty incredible. But look, people aren't here to, to listen to us talk about my Instagram or any of that stuff. They're here to, to listen to, to us talk about the Warriors. And look, I, I guess first things first, man. Like, are you happy with the Warriors that they've waited this long to not fill the 14th roster space, um, let alone 15? Mike Dolan Jr. said uh, he likes that the 15th spot is there. They're, they're, he's not ruling out using it, although practic practically speaking, we're probably not going to see the 15th roster spot filled anytime soon. But number 14 is open. They're going to have tryouts. Do you like that? Do you wish this team was more settled by now? What are your thoughts on that before we get into the individual players that the Warriors want to try out? I wouldn't go as far as to say that I'm happy about it, but I'm not upset about it either. I mean, this team is built around a core of experience. They made the offseason decision to stick with that experience. They made that very, very clear, most notably with the trade of Jordan Poole to go get Chris Paul. So it's not something where I think it's worth pushing the panic button, especially now that we're in August and the season is still two months away from starting. I think they're allowed to take their time. They've sort of earned that right as an organization, even with Dunleavy stepping in in a new role as the GM. So 
I'm a little curious to see what they do with those roster spots. And that's a whole different discussion, which we'll get to very shortly. But yeah, I got pretty like a neutral, positive feel on it. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, I do like the fact that I mentioned this on the show previously, that they're keeping these roster spaces open um, just in case the buyout market produces someone interesting. Um, JaVale McGee, I feel like, is the biggest name out there in terms of who might be bought out. We've heard of uh, Daniil Gallinari possibly being bought out. Those two, either one of those would be amazing. Um, <clears throat> so in that regard, I do like they're keeping it open, but they're having tryouts. And uh, Sham Sharnia uh, is the one who reported this. Um, there are six names uh, who are going to be coming into the, to the facilities at Chase Center. Uh, the practice facilities are in the same building as where they play the games. Uh, as Clay Thompson alluded to, I never heard this before, but he alluded to this in the, in the Paul George podcast, that the players and the team call their practice facilities the dungeon uh, because there's no windows there. I love that. Um, kind of reminds me of the KBR uh, production studio when I used to work there all those years. No windows there either, right? So, uh, yeah, so, so they call it the dungeon, and that's likely where these tryouts are going to be taking place. Um, I feel like a couple of the names right off the bat, I, I want nothing to do with. And let me know what you think. I'm going to throw three names out. We'll save the three most likely probabilities and the most interesting names for the end. But three of the six names were kind of like, what? And those three names we're referring to are Dion Waiters, who hasn't played in years. Um, uh, Ken Bazemore, who has been with the Warriors, I believe, twice, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then Trey Burke, who I believe is a former Warrior as well and who hasn't played in, a, in well over a year now. What are your thoughts on those three? Should any of those three players stand a chance uh, of, of making the roster? Your thoughts on that, first, first, first things. I'm with you on that sentiment that I'm a little confused to see them working out. I mean, I'm all for a good comeback story, so it's nothing personal with those guys. I don't want to write their careers off. It doesn't mean that they can't fill a spot on an NBA roster in theory. I just wouldn't say that as your fan or media personality, you're not going to look at it and think immediate excitement uh, with those three names. But I, I will be fair to everybody listening who's maybe seen me on the show once or maybe this is the first time today and that I got to call myself out and pump the brakes on any free agency reactions I have because I've missed in the past a couple times. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I was wrong about Andrew Wiggins. Like, I think most people were wrong about Andrew Wiggins. And I wasn't, think but, he was but gonna... I, I hear what you're saying. I wasn't, though. Okay. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. You're, you are special. <laughs> you are special. Thank you, um, sir. And uh, special, like I, uh, I deserve to be uh, like my men my 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 uh, brain hasn't developed past the age of twelve. Special or like actually like special. No I'm, I'm special flattered. in that when everybody comes at you in the comments, they should acknowledge that you were right about something being in the minority of that instead of just focusing on all the misses. And, <laughs> I, and I'm kidding, man. I but thanks for I am not special, but thank you for saying that. Um, but so what? So you're saying you you whiffed on a free agent prognostication, and so now you feel like you're you shouldn't be handicapping moving forward. I I don't I don't know who'd you miss on that that gives you this opinion. Well, it's just the two notable ones I think from the past were at the start of the Kerr era when I'm watching very early in the season and they're off to a great start. I was like, Sean Livingston is our backup point guard. Like I haven't really. <laughs> Heard that name in a while. I don't know how much we can get out of him. Can he play a lot of minutes? Is he reliable? And then turned out to be such a high IQ and uh -huh. incredible backup for Steph Curry. And like someone I truly believe they don't win championships without. Uh, another one yes. that I whiffed He's on. Yeah. Another one I whiffed on was Otto Porter, actually. When I found out about that news, I kind of had that gut reaction of why are we 
signing someone who is aging and, you know, is just kind of like, I thought was just kind of on the decline of his career. I didn't think he was going to be that good of a shooter. I didn't think he would be reliable NBA finals type of piece for us. I was completely off the mark on that one. And I'm really glad that I was. So uh, I'm just going to limit my knee jerk reactions here a little bit and just uh, let you all know that what I say is not necessarily the law. We're going to be okay. Look, you're not going to find anyone in this business who is 100% right. So, so don't beat yourself up so much. We're in the business of sharing your thoughts. If you're not opinionated, you're not entertaining in this field. So just because you missed, look, Skip Bayless misses all the time. Stephen A. Smith, whoever you want to point out to, they miss all the time, man. So please don't hold back for that reason. What are you doing? And, and I don't want you to hold, hold back on this player, uh, which I've heard a few people mention as liking among these six options, and that's Tony Snell. Tony Snell is a, a journeyman. Tony Snell has played for a lot of teams over the years. Um, you know, more recently, uh, he, like last year, for example, he or he didn't even play in the NBA last year. I didn't I didn't know that. But uh, two years ago, he played for Atlanta, Toronto, Portland, and the Pelicans. He moves around a lot. I've always uh, considered Tony Snell synonymous with the perfect zero game, where he had a zero for every stat imaginable in a game, which is damn near impossible to accomplish but he did it um some people like him because his three-point shooting has been good um I don't he doesn't really excite me do you have any thoughts on Tony Snell I don't know if Tony Snell really excites me I'm gonna kind of agree with you on that but the thing I will say is that maybe not in terms of basketball play style but kind of in terms of sentiment and sort of meme like player is another guy we recently mentioned was JaVale McGee and that was someone who came to the Warriors and actually fit in nicely now I know that JaVale is seven feet and the Warriors throughout this dynasty have not been known for their size I mean Andrew Bogut was a great interior defender and Looney has turned into a rebounding monster but he's only six foot nine like Kevin Durant was probably the other notable big man throughout this run Draymond plays like a big man but he's really not all that big so, yeah, JaVale had the advantage of being seven feet. Now, Tony Snell, I'm not as negative as some of the people in the comments might be, just because maybe this is being stuck in the past of the Warriors' way of the last decade. But most players that come to play in this system and with Stephen Curry tend to have their strengths shine and have right. like a career type of year. So... Tony Snell probably is good enough to be on an NBA roster if that is the Golden State Warriors. If they don't offer him that spot, I'm okay with it. I'm not going to be heartbroken about it. But if he ends up on the roster, I would encourage everybody to just give him a chance and be open-minded. Yeah, I hear, I hear. Well, Tony Snell wouldn't be the worst thing. He's 6'6". He's a wing. Um, you know, whether you want to call him a shooting guard, small forward, whatever that is. Um, I, do you have any an opinion on him in terms of defense? Is he a good defender? I, I actually don't know. I haven't seen him enough to, to be aware of that. Is he a decent uh, de defensive player? Do you know? I wish I knew more. And the fact that he wasn't in the league last year isn't helping my case that doesn't as help. much. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, help at all. So I don't think I'm the best person to give an opinion. I mean, I know he's got length, so that's something. But what, is he like one of the premier defenders in the league? Like, is he an Avery Bradley type? No. Yeah. I, and the fact that neither of us have really heard much about him as a defensive player, I think says a lot. Uh, you know, if he was really that good, I, th I think we would have known. Well, regardless, when we come back, there's two names out of the six uh, who are 
appealing, who are interesting, um, who maybe the fan base will be happy with. We're going to talk about them in just a moment. Uh, Got to give some love first uh, to our sponsor for today's show, and that is FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. And right now, we're about to experience football again. And Greg, I know you're pumped on that. Are you? You're even, even though like a. Uh, uh, someone in the chat uh, said that you have the Rams helmet behind you, which is kind of weird. Is that your team or are you a Niners fan? Raiders? Who's your team? I'm all over the place in terms okay. of that. That's a whole different discussion. What I will say about the helmet, StreamYard camera got me in reverse, is it's actually an American underdog helmet, which is related to the Kurt Warner movie that came out uh, based on the book, All Things Possible by one Michael Silver. So it is a personal connection. Uh, as far as the Rams go, I did spend a summer working for them at a training camp. Had a great time and love a lot of the people there. Wow. Am I a fan of the Rams? No. I work for the 49ers flagship station now. So it's like, yeah. I know that's kind of a whole rivalry thing. I also grew up uh, being a big fan of the Cal Bears. So I got into Aaron Rodgers for a bit, but then he got kind of weird. And I don't know where I stand there now with him and the Packers. But I'm excited for football. We can We can say that. Absolutely. And for people who don't know, by the way, the reference you made to your dad, your dad is Mike Silver, a longtime legendary sports journalist. He's currently a columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, but regardless, football season is just around the corner. It's about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. You just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory throughout the year. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. It's the sports book of the Locked On Sports of the Locked On Podcast Network for a damn good reason. You are Locked On Warriors. Your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. Every dayers. Those are the folks who watch us every time we publish a show. And right now we're in the off season. So we're averaging about three shows a week. As soon, we'll be back to five days. But tomorrow, or maybe Friday, but coming very soon. Uh, Rick Buecher of Fox Sports is going to join the program. Uh, I mentioned this on my social media accounts. Reply either to the Twitter page at Locked On Dubs or to my Threads account at Dog Wild. Just reply in terms of anything you want me to ask Rick Buecher, and I will do it for you. You can also follow Greg Silver on social media platforms on Twitter at Greg O Silver with an O H. And if you're on Threads, you take out the H. It's still Greg O Silver. Um, look, there's two players that uh, I, I think both of us. Um, are are would be most happiest with and and correct me if I'm if I'm putting words in your mouth I'm projecting there but that is Juan Toscano Anderson who was on the team when they won the title and then Harry Giles the third um, let's start with Juan Toscano Anderson first um, look he at least gives you some semblance of size I know technically he's listed at I think six six but he played center for the Warriors in their in their championship season he knows the system he's diverse. I don't think he's a really a liability in any regard. Uh, you know, most people, um, at least Warriors fans, if you call yourself a member of Dub Nation, I've been hearing um, excitement. Uh, people seem content and happy if he comes back. What are your thoughts on Juan Toscano Anderson possibly coming back to the Warriors? 
you hit the nail on the head, Cyrus, and I see a lot of people in the chat are agreeing with that sentiment. Uh, one little snapshot moment I always like to think of is that 2021 season when Clay still was out with the Achilles and it was Draymond and Steph and Wiggins hadn't making that jump yet. So it was kind of the, you know, that was the year they lost in the play in tournament and they were fighting to get into the playoffs. And there was one game where JTA was getting a lot of run and he flew over the little scorers table to go and save a ball and crashed into the stands. And I think he might've been concussed. Like, I think it was a concussion. And if it wasn't, it was some kind of injury that kept him out. And on Steph Curry's personal Instagram story after the game, he had a picture of him flying and said, get you someone like at one-on-one. All right. Uh, Yeah. So I I just think that he is a culture guy. Like, and I know you're a big Jonathan Kaminga advocate, and I'm not saying this to either praise or disparage Jonathan Kaminga. It is just to put the thought out there, which is that a lot of the Warriors' success, which I think – is starting to get a little bit more credit and notice as they're in the latter stages of this dynasty is that people have bought into the culture. Andre Iguodala was an all-star level player, a star free agent from Denver who agreed to come off the bench in Steve Kerr's first year so that Harrison Barnes and Draymond Green could go and get that starting role. And then his moment came at the most important and most opportune time Finals MVP in 2015. They absolutely cannot win that series without him. Sean Livingston, another guy, very, very selfless and has bought in. And so we see that with some of these younger guys where we're starting to wonder with Jordan Poole, was that part of the issue? Why we had to get rid of him and dump off that big contract, even though he was a big piece to the 2022 championship. It seems like Moses Moody is an adult in the room and he got some good playoff run. And with Jonathan Kaminga, I'm more just like, huh, I'm just curious how the coaching staff views that with the culture. Like, do they see him as immature? He obviously has the talent and athleticism to be a star in this league if he buys in. I don't know what he's like on the day-to-day in the internal. And with JTA, I think we do know what we're getting. And that's a guy that has won a championship. He, He understands the system. He understands the culture. And the guys seem to love him. I don't think I've ever heard either internally or externally, anything negative about this guy. I mean, he is not an all-star level NBA player, but to have him back in, I guess it's now San Francisco technically, but a guy who's from Oakland, who Mm -hmm. Jersey number is 95 because his grandparents lived on 95th Avenue. Like, I don't see what's anything wrong with that. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and, and I think Al Adel's wife was his teacher in Oakland, right? Uh, yeah. When he was young. Yeah. He's got the connection is absolutely there. Um, he, it, look, he was part of a championship team. I, that alone would make me satisfied if if Juan Toscano Anderson gets the 14th spot. Um, and, and and the chat, I think, reflects very clearly how Dub Nation as a whole feels. I think it's a solid uh, a, a sample size there, a solid representation of Dub Nation as a whole in the chat. Um, you know, but the other player is Harry Giles III. Harry Giles III uh, is a former first round pick. If it, when it comes to size. He's impressive. He's 6'11", 240. That's his uh, last listed size. Um, you know, one thing I was curious about, and he's a former Duke product, by the way, which I don't think we should just shake off. I mean, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, uh coached him. Now, granted, he also coached Kyrie Irving. But look, for the most part, Duke products are, you know. They, 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 kind, kind of. Yeah, so, but, he, you know, he's got the Duke uh, lineage. And 
from my understanding, because I've done, I've, I've asked around a lot in terms of, uh, you know, the, the quote unquote experts of this game and, and what, how they feel about Harry Giles III. And it seems like the only thing that's held him back for most of his career are injuries. And he just really has not had a good run where he's healthy. Um, and so the Warriors may be taking a flyer on him in that regard. Maybe this, that's just who he is. He's injury prone. Um, I certainly would love it if they took a chance on H Harry Giles III. Um, I, I don't see a negative to having a, a 6'11 player who's incredibly athletic, a long wingspan. Um, you know, he, he doesn't shoot the three bad either. He's he is a long range shooter. So he's, he's a perfect package. He's, he's a two way player. What are your thoughts on Harry Giles third, uh, possibly coming to the Warriors? So just to touch on a little bit of recent Warriors history, as in the very beginning of this dynasty, does Maurice Spates NBA resume when he was before and after the Warriors, did that stack up anything close to what he was for Kerr's system? Okay, what, what more? What do you mean? What more specifically? What are you asking? I, my I point follow. is, my point is that Mo Buckets was not only a crowd favorite, but his productivity was at its absolute highest on the Dubs. When it was over, he did nothing on the Clippers, and he was like okay before that. But he had his by far his best run with the Warriors. So with Harry Giles, he gets drafted into a Sacramento Kings regime, and I love the Kings. I'm so happy to see the way they've turned it around. But that wasn't a functional regime. Like, let's be real. They, I mean, the Kings were clowns across the league for a long time, as dedicated as their fans were, and as much as they didn't deserve it, that was not a good place to go and be drafted. And yes, he had the injuries, and obviously there are many, many other factors that go into it, whether you can hang on an NBA roster. But I like the workout videos I see on social media. Size does fill the hole of the Warriors. I know basketball, it's not always that simple, but sometimes it is simple. That that is their biggest need. And as much as I will love Kavon Looney till the day I die, he can't give you 40 minutes a night, 82 games. Although, I mean, he has not missed a game in like two years. So I'm, I'm not trying to undercut him. But like, we, we got to have some size. We got to have some guys that can go out there. And at the very least, swallow up some fouls when you have to play against a Nuggets or a Lakers. I mean, that was what knocked him out of the playoffs was struggling against length and size. Why not go fill the hole? Right. No, I'm totally with you. And, uh, you know, and if uh, uh, Kevin McLean, who complains that uh, his career shooting percentage is 25%, um, I'm going off his most off two things for why I think he's a decent three point shooter. One is, is the last year he played, he shot 35%. And then when you look at his workout videos, look, I know he's not being defended. And I understand that you can only take those with a grain of salt, but the dude can shoot the three. I mean, I, I, there was a video where I saw him hit like 10 or 20 in a row, and they were all net. I mean, so he can't shoot. Who knows if maybe that goes down tremendously because, you know, you have defenders in your face. I don't know. But um, I don't think he's a liability as a three-point shooter. He might not be, like, amazing at it, but I don't, I don't think he's a liability either. Um, before we move on from this subject, and look, between the two, I lean toward Harry's, Harry Giles III. I totally see what – I don't know if it was you or maybe – oh, Crystal here. I'm sorry. Uh, Crystal Sturdivant writes that since Giles still, qual still qualifies for a two-way contract – sign both him and JTA. The only reason, and Kevin Dana uh, talked about that as well, uh, at the, off the air we, we talked and he mentioned Giles as a two-way player would be awesome. I just don't know if you can. I think there's other teams expressing interest in him. Um, I'm guessing he's going to look for a guaranteed deal. If he accepts a two-way contract and you can get both him and Juan, Tos Juan Toscano Anderson, hell yeah, of course I'd love that. Um, I'm just saying realistically though, I don't know if him as a two-way player is feasible given there's interest. Um, 
from other teams. But Harry Giles, I, I would slightly lean toward Harry Giles III in terms of his size, in terms of what he brings on the court. But Juan Toscano-Anderson, there's no debating, there's no dispute that when it comes to chemistry, which is a really important variable for these Warriors teams, when they've been successful, he brings that to the table. His teammates love him. Um, he doesn't, you know, he certainly does not cause drama. Uh, he gets along with Draymond Green, which is now is a clear-cut criteria for for uh, for for joining the Warriors. Um, so you know, he he checks every box. Uh, I would slightly uh, prefer Harry Giles though. And Rebel the Sounds adds though, every time the Warriors played against Harry Giles, he played very good against the Warriors. Um, so, but yeah, either one I'd be happy with. Um, in all honesty, a few people in the chat bring up uh, Bismack Biombo. Um, a player, look, I would not be opposed to that. I, you know, it's, it's, I don't think the Warriors are listening to me, but if, if the Warriors were interested in B Bismack Biombo, I would love him. I've had people on social media DMing me with all these crazy stats about Biombo when he plays against the Warriors, for example, and, and how much havoc he, he causes in general when it comes to rebounding and shot blocking. Um, I don't know why the Warriors aren't interested in more bigs. This is just who they're interested in. This is what Shams is reporting. Anything you want to add before we, we move on from the topic of the six? Uh, uh, players who are trying out for the Warriors. I just want to shout out Crystal. She does her research. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, so Clay Thompson uh, was on uh, uh, Paul George's podcast recently, and he said a few interesting things. Um, I want I, I got three clips here to play on the show today, and the first and foremost one is him talking about uh, Jordan Poole. He's talking about uh, a workout that that uh, that was that happened just a week ago. People were wondering about that um, and when that 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 workout took place. There were these black and and yes, leaving. Uh, sorry, but yeah, players are going to have to pass the Draymond test. That's that's how things are with the Warriors. Yes. Um, so, but Clay Thompson said some interesting things. And last week or two weeks ago, uh, there was a workout that involved Steph, Clay, uh, Jordan Poole, Scoot Henderson, who's kind of become like. Uh, a, a prodigy of Stephen Curry's, which is kind of crazy. I respect that tremendously. Um, but the, the first clip I want to play is Clay talking about that workout and and seeing Jordan Poole leave. Uh, so here's Clay Thompson. It hurts to see Jordan go. That's the nature of the beast. He was homegrown. I saw him put the work in. I saw him go 215 in the game, but then he would be in the dungeon, which we call our practice facility because there's no windows, getting shots up right after the game. I'm like, man, this kid's going to be special. And we wouldn't have won the championship without him. Like, he was so important to us when Steph went down. Jordan is forever going to be cherished in the Warriors lore just for what he did and helped bring us back to where we needed to go. And I know he's going to do great things in Washington. And it felt good seeing him last week. It was weird seeing him in some Wizards gear, but that's like Steph and I's little bro. What kind of player you think he's going to turn out to be now for the Washington Wizards. Oh, he definitely got all-star potential. He saw it when he made that finals run. Average 18, shooting 50, 40, 90. Mm -hmm. Like, that's hard They're to impressive. do. So I'm excited to watch him and Kuz. Those are going to be the swaggiest buckets ever. <laughs> but no, nah, I'm excited for him. Washington got a good one. Yeah. Future all-star for sure. And on, uh, the, I believe, the podcast P, is that what, he's, what, what uh, Paul George yeah. on that? What is your reaction to that clip we just listened to? I mean, first of all, for Steph or Clay, any of the Warriors, but particularly those two, regardless of how they feel about Jordan Poole or any frustrations that they might have had with him over the last year, it does them absolutely no good to speak out negatively whatsoever. And I don't think they do have a sour taste toward Poole, like looking back in it. But in the end, when the trade happened and 
everyone's saying, wow, the Warriors really sided with Draymond after all that. No, they sided with Steph Curry. Like, Steph is a very humble and not a highly demanding egotistical superstar by pro athletes standard. And the only thing he's really going to demand out of this organization is I want to win titles or compete for titles for as long as I can play this game. And so his preferred teammate, number one, is Draymond Green, who won his way back in the playoffs, despite the suspension and the stopping on Sabonis and all the crazy that you get with that Draymond package. That is still the guy he's going to pick. So they're siding with Steph Curry above everybody else. Uh, what I make of the comments is I think Clay pretty genuine about it. He's never been like a sugarcoat guy or not necessarily say how he feels. So I think he probably does have a good relationship with Jordan Poole and genuinely does want him to have a good path in Washington. I'm not sure exactly what the internal dynamics are with everything or how it is between those two or the, the former splash brothers pool party uh, coupling. But yeah, I, I think that if you're clay, that's, you know, that's the right way to take it. I see it as genuine. And even if it's not, then he's doing himself a favor by saying that. What I took from that clip is um, cause we heard Charles Barkley say a couple weeks ago that, you know, the, the Warriors hated Jordan Poole. I thought he was being incredibly uh, hyperbolic and exaggerating. Um, what I took from that clip is that it wasn't the team that hated or disliked Jordan Poole. It was just one person. Mike Dunleavy Jr. also alluded to this uh, in an interview, I believe, with Tim Kawakami, where he said that a, a huge reason for the Chris Paul trade was to keep Draymond Green. And that basically came down to either Draymond or Jordan Poole. Uh, you know, whether or not Draymond Green expressed this or whether or not this was the team just recognizing that those two were going to work together. I don't know. But um, that's what I take from that is there was just one person who did not get along with Jordan Poole. And that was Draymond Green. Um, is that fair? Do you do you do you agree with that sentiment? Well, maybe to say dislike Jordan Poole and truly not be able to get along with possibly. But I think if you kind of unpack that a little bit more, it's like who disliked pool in the sense that they understood he wasn't good for the team and maybe a little bit immature. Steve Kerr probably had his frustrations coaching him. Maybe Bob Myers in his last year got a little bit exhausted by it. Maybe even Steph Curry, as much as he likes Jordan Poole, the player and the way he could take risks and kind of grow into his game. You know, he got ejected in a close game against a rival because Poole took a bad shot and Steph yeah. threw his mouthpiece. Like, right. I'm so to say dislike and just make it a black and white thing. Yeah, maybe Draymond's the only one that really couldn't get along with Poole at that right. point. But, but as far as like understanding that he was a pain in the butt and just not maybe going to drag the franchise down a little bit when they try to take advantage of this dynasty core, I'm not sure how much of the team or the important people around it kind of shared that sentiment. I'm told, yeah, I, I agree. As is the case with a lot of live shows that we do, it was fun. We had a lot to talk about. So we're splitting this up into two parts. So stay tuned for part two of Locked On Warriors.